Hello, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk. I'm your host, Anika Height, and it is April 4th, 2020, and we're bringing you another report and news brief on Coronavirus 2020. This show brings you all of the latest news and everything you need to know to make it through this pandemic. And today, we want to talk about the most infectious country in the world. With over 1.2 million cases worldwide, coronavirus shows no sign of slowing. In the U.S., there have been 311,000 cases reported, with 30,000 new cases today alone. We've seen 14,000 recoveries, but over 8,000 deaths, making the U.S. the most infectious country in the world. The Big Apple still sits on top of the list with 114,000 cases and 10,000 new cases just today. California falls down on the list, and a lot of that is attributed to the early stay-in-place implementations by Governor Newsom early on in the epidemic. Although there are 583 new cases, it has not grown exponentially as expected. Louisiana is a hotbed on the rise with 12,000 cases total and 2,000 new cases today. The U.S. has stopped issuing new passports unless it's a life or death emergency in an effort to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Examples of emergencies include travel due to serious illness and injuries or death in the immediate family. The process for getting a passport at this point is that applicants must require travel outside of the U.S. within three days and will have to submit a proof of the life or death emergency, such as a death certificate, a statement from a mortuary, or a signed letter from a hospital or medical professional. There has been a lot of talk on when exactly coronavirus landed here in the state. In today's health brief, we'll explore the theory that coronavirus began to circulate as early as December and moving on throughout January. But the facts are, the World Health Organization first received the report on coronavirus December 31st. The CDC announced the first case in the U.S. January 21st. But many people online are circulating stories detailing how they suffered from a severe cough that lasted about two weeks, and when they went to the physician to get checked, they tested negative for influenza. Well, in order for scientists to figure out whether or not coronavirus has been here longer than we think, they must take blood samples from cases that were recorded back in December and January and test them for antibodies. Although it seems plausible that coronavirus could have been around in January as early as December, Influenza A and B were also prevalent in November and December of 2019. And if it did circulate, they're stating it was only sporadic cases that were related to travel. Just to note, Influenza A and B also show the same symptoms as coronavirus, which includes fever, cough, 
shortness of breath, muscle aches. Some of the newer symptoms that are being identified are confusion, lethargy, disorientation, loss of sensation, including taste and smell, memory function being off, and nausea. They say that blood type A could possibly be more susceptible than the other blood types. Virologists say that it's possible if you contract the virus, you'll be immune for one to two years. In a study from Wuhan, their conclusions showed 37.75% of those sampled were blood type A, followed by blood type B, AB, and blood type O, which they say has a lower chance of contracting the virus. Reports say coronavirus survives on surgical masks for up to seven days, but the World Health Organization reveals that there's only a low risk of catching the virus from newspapers and other delivered goods. If you have a question about these Amazon or shipping packages arriving on your doorstep being infected with coronavirus, you may be worrying a little too much. Scientists have been assessing how long the virus can survive on surfaces. They found that the virus is stable on the outer layer of surgical masks for up to seven days, but the virus dies after 24 hours on cardboard and just three hours on paper. Researchers from the U.S. report show no viable SARS-CoV-2, which causes COVID-19, was measured after 24 hours on cardboard, indicating using the postal service is relatively risk-free. Some Americans may have to wait until August to receive their stimulus check. The federal government expects to begin making payments to millions of Americans under the new stimulus law in mid-April. If the IRS has direct deposit information from individual 2018 or 2019 tax returns, they will make about 60 million payments to Americans through direct deposits, likely the week of April 13th. Then, starting the week of May 4th, the IRS will begin issuing paper checks to individuals. The paper checks will be issued at a rate about $5 million per week, which means it could take up to 20 weeks to get all of the checks out. These payments are part of the $2.2 trillion rescue package signed into law March 27th by President Donald Trump, which is aimed at combating the economic ravages of the coronavirus outbreak. The Small Business Loan Program is already hitting four big snags. The Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP, which was arguably the most ambitious provision of the $2 trillion stimulus package that Congress passed last week, is causing a bit of confusion for small business owners. Any business or nonprofit, veteran organization, or tribal concern with 500 or fewer employees is eligible for a government-backed loan equivalent to eight weeks of its prior average payroll, plus an additional 25% of that sum, up to $10 million. The small business bailout season is off to a shaky start, and for entirely predictable reasons, but here are four of them. 
For many banks, the program looks high risk and low reward. So major lenders are still holding out. The problem is, what if banks get tricked? Congress could theoretically get cash into business owners' hands fast. Proprietors would simply walk into their friendly neighborhood bank branches, the bank would lend them money, and the government would make sure everyone was whole later on. Well, verifying this type of information with 100% confidence would in many cases take an extensive period of time. But the White House is imploring banks to get money out of the door fast. So if banks err on the side of being too trusting, they'll end up being on the hook or otherwise liable in situations of fraud. If not, some banks insisted it could take weeks for them to approve each loan. The second reason is the bailout fund is just too small. According to a newly released Chamber of Commerce survey, the program's core flaws since day one include the lack of funds. There are 30 million small businesses in the United States. About a quarter of them have already temporarily shut down while 11% are on the verge of closing for good. The third point is that most vulnerable mom and pops will still likely come away empty-handed. The reason is some big lenders such as Bank of America are already participating in the PPP program, but they're only lending to small businesses that already have a business lending and business deposit relationship with the bank. Critics cite that the demand for these loans exceed their supply and there is little incentive for banks to take risks on a firm they don't know especially when they could be held culpable for extending credit to a fraudulent buyer. And the last point, the well-intended last-minute rule change by the government makes the program a worse deal for a lot of businesses. Okay, so when the Trump administration discovered that the bill Congress passed technically allowed firms to lay off their staff anytime between February 15th and April 26th, and still secure rent forgiveness so long as they rehired those workers by June 30th, they had to find a change in the rule that would close that loophole by tweaking the terms of forgiveness. Because remember, these are forgivable loans. Previously, firms were told that as long as they didn't fire staff, that they would have the portion of the loan spent on payrolls, benefits, utilities, rent, mortgage payments, and other debts completely forgiven. Now, they will only receive such forgiveness if they spend 75% of their loan on payroll. This eliminates the potential incentive to lay off all of one's staff for months at a time. But it also means that for small businesses that aren't extremely labor intensive, the program just won't be feasible. I want to thank you for tuning in to our financially heavy report tonight, but I hope you were able to glean some information that you can use in planning your financial stability throughout this time. Again, thank you for tuning in. Please leave a comment and review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you streaming the show and we want to know what you think about it. Enjoy the weekend and stay low. I'm your host, Anika Height. This is Let's Talk. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.